Amen. Thank you. It's good to see you guys. There's been a relationship status change in the room. Leanne and Stefan, stand up. <laughs> There's no excitement at all, as you can tell. Stefan might need to get that eye checked out. I think he got whacked by the celebratory. That's awesome. Good for you, man, to have someone that is so thrilled to marry you. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, man. So many directions I could go right now and tell my own stories. But I, I'm here to preach, actually. <clears throat> last week, last week I shared about uh, the Barna Group, which is probably the most uh, renowned group that studies Christian culture and it studies the trends, and it studies all the different details of issues facing the church and Christianity, and it found that 95% of Christians either don't read their Bible, or if they do, they read it no more than four times an entire year. 95% of Christians do not read their Bible. If they do, it's less than four times a year. And so for me, I was like, actually, that sounds a little bit about my journey and my story. I was part of that 95%. Reading the Bible was an ob- obligation that I basically needed to prove that as a Christian that like birds fly, Christians read the Bible. And so I figured that that was the only association I had. And reading the Bible was terrible for me. It was like a third grader trying to choke down broccoli at dinner. I was like, this is tough and confusing and words and I have no interest. There's no satisfaction and even when I was a part of like Sunday school groups and you had like memory verse competitions and things like that, I would like, I would find the shortest and smallest verses in the Bible. Does anybody know what the, the shortest verse in the Bible is? Oh, okay. I thought I was unique. Whatever. It's John 11.35, so there. No. Yes. Yes, that was, I was trying to, how can I minimize my work? How can I get the least out of this process of reading the Bible and still count it? Was how I looked at the word. And so my relationship with the word was kind of like an arranged marriage. It's like, I don't like you, you don't like me, but we're kind of stuck with each other. And so I suffered through like, how do I make the Bible interesting? It was boring. Can I just say the Bible was boring? I'm not afraid to admit it. And here's why it was boring is because I was so consumed and so trying to remember how to love the word when I should have been loving the author. I was trying to force myself to love the word when I actually needed to love the author. That is what the entire point of the Bible is. The Bible is not for you to memorize words and facts and details about God. It's not supposed to be a theology lesson. It's actually supposed to be a love story that God has for you. And so when that shift took place, suddenly my journey through the Bible completely transformed. Today, my relationship with the Bible is like a treasure hunt every single time I open it. When I come into the Word, it's like I get into cellular service. It's like, ah, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. When I get in the Word now, my life is challenged. When I get into the Word now, I'm inspired to be better. I have ideas and visions. My mind just races a million miles an hour when I read the Word now. So how did that come to be? One was that first transformation of, I need to care about who wrote this first. Cultivating and developing a relationship with God. If you have no interest in the author, the book is not going to be very helpful for you. 
But if you are interested in the author, if you are on a journey to know and to commune with God and like, man, the word is still kind of boring, there actually are a few things that are pretty insignificant but are very helpful that I've learned over the years that help me grow into that transformation to where every single time I get into the word, I'm just transformed by it. It's the single greatest part of my day in the mornings is to get in the word. And if I would have gone back 15 years and like thought, this is who I'm going to be, I'd be like, he's kind of like a religious freak now. It's kind of weird. But I want to share with you the do's and the don'ts of reading the Bible. There's a few little tweaks, if you will, that will actually completely transform how you read the Bible. Can I share those with you tonight? So I'm going to start with the don'ts. I, I usually like to learn by, um, learning by mistakes, I guess. You know, like the posters, like, maybe it's your life serves as a warning to others, you know. <laughs> so the don'ts. So let me tell you the don'ts. Here is what I was doing wrong. Number one is don't wait for a crisis to read the Bible. If I were to point to 95% of all the times I read the Bible growing up, it probably because I did something wrong or I was feeling really bad. I waited for the crisis to draw me into the Word. You know what? I get in the Word and I'm like looking for things to comfort me. I'm like trying to find something that God can show me. I'd always like get drawn, like something bad's happening. You like go to Job. You go to like Lamentations, like this is my story, you know. <laughs> this is meaningless. And so I get in there like, oh, I remember when I was here last time, you know. And it's like... <laughs> This sounds so familiar. Why? It's because I only come to the word when stuff is terrible. And somehow I'm looking for comfort. Somehow I'm looking for inspiration. But I'm only doing it when I'm really desperate. And then I get in there. Maybe by, by chance I'm like, God, this is a kind of working out. Like this, this is really ready. I promise I'm going to come back. I, I, I'm, I'm going to stay in the word. I'm going to love it. And I, I wouldn't. And then the next crisis comes. Come back to the Bible. Because it's what Christians do, right? When you're in real big trouble, you go to the Bible. And that's all I knew. My entire relationship with the Bible is all associated by what kind of crisis am I having and how can I weasel my way out of it using the Bible? And so unless I had a crisis, a, a relationship breakup, how many of you guys go to the Bible when you break up in a relationship, you know, and God's like, I don't say anything about dating in here. It's completely frustrating. You keep talking about you. You keep talking about my girlfriend. No, you can't. That I wouldn't read the Bible unless I was there. But it essentially declares that unless you are desperate, you really don't need the Bible. That's what it proves about your, your walk. Is that if you only need a crisis to get in the Bible, is that you really have no need for the Bible unless you're in desperation. And I also would, it would read the Bible in response to guilt. Shockingly, I did not live a perfect life. That was a joke. <laughs> and so naturally when I would make a mistake and I feel really bad I would go I think God's going to be more God's going to be less mad at me when I'm reading his word he's going to look at me a little bit better the fact that oh man he messed up but man now, now he's reading the Psalms he must really feel bad And this is a how as a kid, like, I got in a wreck on my driver's test, okay? I wrecked my dad's brand new car on my driver's test, and no, I did not pass. <laughs> Apparently, if you have any contact with any object, you automatically fail, let alone another vehicle. So, and of course, after that, I'm like, you know, 
weeding the, the corn. I'm like mowing the lawns. I'm spreading darkness. I'm like trying to earn my good favor back into my, my folks. And, and the same thing is with the Bible. You getting into the Bible, like you think God's mad at you, but he's not mad at you. You think he's like, oh, the last time you're in the Word, it's been so long. He's like, he's not thinking that. He's not. And so you reading the Bible is not making him any more happy with you. He can't be any more happy with you. He might have some suggestions for how you're making your decisions, but it's not going to affect his joy and his delight over you. It says that he dances over you with singing. And the word dance, it's not just like a, I'm going to like skip. It's like jumping, leaping, twisting, and contorting. Like it sounds like I need a chiropractor. That's the kind of elation that God sings and dances over you, even if you have not been in the Word for years. And so as you come back to the Word, don't think like you're earning any credit. Don't think you're like, oh, I'm really going to earn favor with God. And this is like, no, like your, your favor, my favor is yours already. And so don't try and like manipulate yourself like you're trying to earn points by getting back into the Word. Just be in the faith and the knowledge that God wrote Amazing words for us to have to know him. Number two is, don't read the Bible with a bad attitude. So I've had accountability groups for like, like drill sergeants. Like, you get in the word every day and you know, okay, you know, I'm going to. And so I like open the word, like, oh, I'm so scared of, you know. And, like, and then there's guys that brag about, I've been up since three reading. I read in the Greek, you know, and you're like, am I, how do I compare with that, you know? And so I would come to the Bible, not like looking forward to it, not with any expectation, but like, this other guy's reading Greek. I, I better read some Psalms because I messed up. You know, like I would have this completely different mindset and I have a bad attitude. So if you're opening the word like, son of, you know, if you're doing that, just close it. You're not going to get any revelation of the Bible when you have a bad attitude about it. If you're grouchy about not being in bed, sleeping, go back to bed. <laughs> Don't read the Bible. I think God's like, no, 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 I'm fine. You, you need to work that out. Whatever's bugging you, work that out first because what's on you is going to get on my words and that's not going to be fun. But it's like my three-year-old, right? Like if my, my three-year-old does something to our one-year-old son, yank something, he falls over, or she pushes him, or something like that. Like, Scarlett, you need to say sorry. And so, she will comply. Her words will come out of those little lips, but it is completely void. It's like, sorry. <laughs> you know, it, her attitude completely voids the behavior. And so, you need to remember that about the word. If you're coming to the word with a bad attitude, you're going to completely void any benefit you're going to get out of it. In fact, you know, God says about tithing and giving, he's like, if you're going to donate and give and tithe, and you're going to do it with a bad attitude, don't do it. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, 7 says that God loves a cheerful giver, and don't give out of compulsion. And the same thing is with how we approach the word. If we're like, oh, God, it is this part of routine. Don't do it. Bad attitudes also block biblical revelation. If you're wanting to have revelation from the scriptures, you might want to adjust your attitude. If you come to it like, Jesus, man, what, what can I receive? What can I see? Not like, I'm so tired. Let me get through this. You're going to have no revelation at all when you read the scriptures. 
Number three, don't have your smartphone near you. Very, very, very simple. You and I live in an age where all the world's distractions are consolidated into this thing. All the world's distractions are consolidated into one place. So when I come downstairs and I read the Bible, I like put my phone there and I go over here. I can't even look at it. I can't hold it. Heaven forbid it buzzes, it dings. Like I have like a do not disturb, like my phone's on do not disturb until 8 a.m. Why? Because like, like, (laughs) don't be near it. Your smartphone is going to be the single greatest distraction to you reading the word. So put it away and prohibit yourself from wandering like Facebook or glance at Instagram, email, or heaven forbid the news. I, I can ruin my day by looking at the news. I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me now. Like, I completely need to have repentance for the thoughts I'm thinking of right now because I read the news. So don't have your smartphone with you. Because once you get off track for a moment, once like your mind is like, oh, they said that on Facebook, I got a comment. I'm a debater on Facebook, which I have to like restrain myself like so much. And I, it's funny because now enough people know it. And so when I, I'm, I'm angry that like Facebook shows you when I'm trolling in other people's like comments. So other people are like, hey, so how's that non, non-debating going, huh? 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 It's like, but I'm so right. So... <laughs> Anyways, the point is, if you really want to get something other word, if you want revelation, put the distraction. All your distractions are consolidated in this one thing. Put it away. Turn it off. Put it on silent. Go in the other room. Even for five minutes. Number four, don't binge read the Bible. Do not binge read the Bible. Now, binge watching works for Netflix. I'm an advocate of that. I'm like, let's just watch nine episodes all together. This is great. I love watching like episodes on end and on. It doesn't work with the Bible. There's no, uh, so here's, you've heard the saying, there's no such thing as too much of a good thing. Wrong. There is such thing as too much of a good thing. As a young child, my favorite food was Cool Ranch Doritos. Anybody? Cool Ranch Doritos? So good. Until I was like, I'm just going to keep eating these and eating these and eating these and eating these and eating these. Oops, I just ate the entire bag. Oh, let me go play some basketball. Oh, let me go get in a tubby. I'm like 10 years old, I think. Oh, I don't feel good. Look out. I'm in the bathtub and I'm like, a bag of Doritos comes out of me. Out the front. I have not had Cool Ranch Doritos since that day. I can't even think about it. Just even saying the words, like, it brings it back. My mouth is like, "Uh uh-oh. And I'm just, like, not feeling good. You think there can't be any harm in having too much of a good thing, but there is. I had some friends, they want to do the Bible 5K. This is an invention of their own. And they're going to read the entire New Testament in one sitting. A whole bunch of these guys are like, I'm not going to that. That... Sounds like a good idea, but that's a bad idea. And these guys were like, literally, like, it's 24 hours. By the end of it, they're like begging to like, make it stop. You know, like, but they wanted to read the entire thing. And then one ambitious guy was like, well, let's do the Old Testament marathon and do it. All, and no. 
there was a point in here. <laughs> is that sometimes there's an expectation that I need to read a chapter. I need to read an entire epistle. I need to read an entire section. I need to read all of Psalm 119 or any of those things. There's a lot of long psalms. And there's different habits that we, we dub. Like, I need to read a chapter a day. We give these, like, standards that no one ever invented that we somehow feel obligated to. Or, or worse yet, like, oh, I missed yesterday. I need to double up today as if God's keeping score. And I'm a person of, of routine and habit now. And so I've missed something. I want to, like, keep on track. I want to catch up. But there's a diminishing return for it. And here's is what is get, here is what gets lost is that I need to preserve my appetite for the word. I have an interest for the word. But I can overdo that. It's kind of like overdoing the Doritos. If I spend all day in the word, do you think I'm going to want to be in the word the next morning? Mm-mm. So you need to manage your appetite. You have to ask yourself, what can I, what am I hungry for at this stage? It might only be a verse. But manage the appetite. Don't force yourself to go through all these different things. Give yourself permission to read a single word if it is that. Number five, do not limit your reading of the word to the Bible. Some people think, I only read the Bible, which is cool. But there's a lot of amazing people who've written about the Bible in other books. For example, I did a series on women in ministry. And I wanted to study women in the Bible. And so I was like, oh, Jesus encountered a woman at the well. Oh, Jesus like had this woman who was bleeding with something and touched his robe and was healed. Whatever. No big deal. Until I read a book that that was Jesus breaking every law there was to even talk to a woman, let alone be touched by a woman. That if he was touched by a woman who was bleeding, that he was ceremonially unclean at that point. Jesus demonstrating his forgiveness and his surpassing of the law to say, this woman who's unclean, I'm more about relationship than about the Deuteronomy laws here. And so I would never have known those things if I wasn't reading kind of other books that were talking about difficult passages or difficult topics or just anything at all that like keep you interested and so I regularly will find books that are either talking about different topics or different areas of the scriptures, and I'll like incorporate those. I don't have, I don't, I'm not cheating on the Bible when I'm reading these other books. Sometimes I just want something else. It's okay. You can't have sushi every single day, can you? Well, maybe some of you guys can. But it's important, again, remember, managing the appetite with the word it's vital that you mix it in and mix it up. And it's also important that we actually realize that there are great things behind the words we read in the Word, such as those exchanges with women. And there's a lot of other things in there that I'll share, but I'm going to keep moving on. You guys doing okay? All right, the last one for the don'ts. Don't read the Bible unprepared. Don't read the Bible unprepared. What this basically means is be prepared for God to speak to you. If you really believe that this book is inspired and has been authored by the king of the universe, then your exchange and your time in the word is an exchange where God gets to commune with you and speak to you. He gets to reveal things. And so 
take the opportunity to be prepared for whatever might come to you in that. In the Old Testament, when God would move, when God would perform, you know, some miraculous breakthrough, right? He would tell the, the nation of Israel to do something very specific. Do you guys know what it is? It's like, I just had you cross the Jordan River. I demolished all of your enemies. What does he say next? Build a stack of rocks. So you'll remember. It's like, you're going to forget. You're going to forget. Don't forget the amazing ways I encounter you. Build something to remember it. We might not be crossing the Jordan River with chariots and pharaohs and things like that, but when we encounter the word, you need to know that God wants to intervene in your life. And so it's important that we actually have something there to say, yes, God, this is interesting to me. This is you speaking to me. My whole entire journey in that started with this little piece of equipment right here. You can see it's all worn out. I've had this for about 14 years. Same one. I will, if this gets lost, I have a terrible, terrible time. Occasionally, because this looks like a toy if you're a three-year-old. It looks like a crayon. And I, <laughs> I can hear little comments from the peanut gallery here. Yes, I get very angry if this, this is, I cannot read the word without this thing. Why? It's because it's part of my way that I memorialize and I highlight. This is a Bible highlighter. I should probably tell you what it is. It's a Bible highlighter, and it doesn't bleed through the other sides of the pages. So it's different than like a Sharpie that you like forever mark up. So it's like a light kind of middle highlighter. And so I take this, and so I will slowly mark different things that I notice in the scriptures that I want to remember. God, this is interesting. God, why is this highlighting my heart? Why does this stand out to me? And I'll make note of different things. But that only went so far as well because then I'd like, I would highlight it and then the next day I was like, I don't remember why I highlighted that. That's frustrating. So what I do? I, I should show you my Bible actually. I did bring it here. Here's my Bible. Ten years going on strong. This is the Keyword Study Bible in NASB. Now what's interesting about Keyword Study Bible is that in there, you, you can't see, anyone who wants to come see this afterwards can, but um, there are various words that are underlined and have little numbers by them. And in the back, I actually have a Greek and Hebrew concordance. So if I want to look up what that word means in the Greek or Hebrew, I can do that. And so I highlight and put different things there. Now, when I highlight things like, God, you're saying something, but what are you saying? And so I then added this. Now, I'm not suggesting you do all this at once. Again, you want to crawl, walk, run, sprint. But when I incorporate my laptop, open a laptop, I'm just going to remember the verse. I'm going to write down what the verse is, and I'm going to like, make a mention of why did it stand out to me. I'm going to categorize it. So whenever I read the Bible now, if I'm going to read the Bible at all, I have to have my highlighter. I have to have this Bible, and I have to have a laptop with, which has my big little spreadsheet thing. I now have 1,500 verses that I've recorded, categorized, and written why they mean something to me. And so when I do a study and I do a message, I now have like this long history of passages over years now that I can like reference. 
And so I go back through there, and, and it, it's amazing how things come and just bring to life the words that are coming off the pages. And, and so also from there, I build like a little memorization list too. So I have like a, a big list of just like anything that I find. And there's like amazing, amazing verses. I'm like, this is gold. I have to have this in my life. And I'll build a, a memorization list as well. And then from there, then we like, we see different people who write different things or maybe have amazing truths. So I have another list of like, I'm going to write down these things that people say that are just so uh, inspiring. They're so interesting. I, the most recent one I wrote down was a, a quote from Chris Valentin. It says, accountability should be the account of your ability, not the account of your disability. Well, that's pretty deep. I'm going to write that down and steal that sometime later. Anyways, all this to say is now as I read the word, I'm recording what God is saying. And I can reference it later and be involved. It makes it all come alive for me. All right, the do's. You guys good still? All right, here are the do's. Do read the Bible in the morning. I can read it on my lunch break. I can read it in the evening. I can read it in bed. You cannot read it in bed. No one. Chuck Norris can't read the Bible in bed. It is an impossibility. It's like sneezing with your eyes open. No one can do it, man. No one can do it. Read the Bible in the morning. The most transformational way that you can read the Bible is to read it when you have a blank mind. The only time in your daily life that you have a blank mind is in the morning. I'll debate anybody on this, even on Facebook. No, I won't. I might. The most influential time of your life, the most influential moments of your life are in the morning. Why? It's because when you wake up, you are the least distracted, you are the least stressed, and you're the most available to be transformed. You are the least distracted, you are the least stressed, and you're the most available to be transformed in the morning. Last night I was sharing with a couple guys, we're talking about our morning routines. Very, very successful, all their tech entrepreneurs. All of us have this radical morning routine. And so what made reading the Bible impossible and boring all the time is that I was trying to read the Bible in times that I wasn't interested in reading the Bible. Let me explain. When I would like try to read the Bible, I'm going to read the Bible on my lunch break. I then have to decide, am I going to read the Bible or am I going to go out to lunch with this other person? Ah, the Bible will still be there. It's the evening. It's 7 o'clock. I'm going to read the Bible. Ooh, but the Blazers game is on. Read the Bible or watch the Blazers? Ah, Blazers, come on. I'm at work. I'm going to read the Bible on my break at work. Oh, but I got so much I need to catch up. If I can just do a little bit more, I'll read the Bible later. Oh, I should go to bed. Or should I read the Bible? I'll read the Bible. No, I'm going to go to bed. The Bible, when you put it in competition with all the other points of your day, it loses. I'm sorry, it does. When you put the Bible in competition for all the other areas of your day, plus your distracted mind, plus all the different things you have going on, it just, it does not win the priority that it has in the morning. And believe me, I've tried it every which way. But it's hard because in the morning, it's our first. And there's something special about it being the first. It's like the first fruits. 
God has made kind of a significant deal about us giving him the first. And so when you commune with him in the morning, you're giving him the first part of your day. And beyond that, when I read in the morning, it sets the aim for my day, right? Instead of having the Bible calm me down for all the things I'm like, you know, frustrated with, I get to read the Bible to like set the trajectory of my life. And so instead of having the Bible be my counselor to cool me down for a tough day, it turns into my coach for what I'm going to do that day. It's a radically different way to read the Bible. It's a radically different way in which God can then give you inspiration through the scriptures. Number two is slow down when you read the Bible. Slow down. Take time to reflect on what things mean. Take notice of the details. Just this weekend we're talking about it was some guys who were like, talking about how different it is to like either ride a motorcycle or a bike. Like you just notice more things in the neighborhood than if you were to like drive a car. And the same thing is about the Bible. When you slow down, you're going to realize and notice so many other things that you've just passed on by. Because the scriptures are hidden with endless clues if you just take a moment and slow down and realize what's there. Mike Malott and I, uh, about, I don't know, six or seven years ago. Do you remember this, Mike? We would call each other in the morning. And on, on this habit, I was like, I'm reading too much of the Bible. And I know it. And so I had an, uh, uh, a mentor of mine who was really you know, powerful in the scriptures. He's like, I'm going to give you an assignment. 30 days, you have to, um, you're not permitted to read more than one verse in 30 days. Or for each, each day. So read the Bible every day. But each day, you have to stay in the book of Galatians. Now, the book of Galatians, the first chapter has 24 verses, and there are 30 days. I was only permitted to have one verse a day, and Mike and I would call each other, and we'd have to report, what is the, we're in verse 1, what did you get out of verse 1? And usually, like, it's like Paul to the church in Galatia. I challenge you. See how crazy be if you are forced to look at one verse a day. And you're like, I'm going to get something out of this one verse. Let me give you an example. Because when you look for it, when you find it, you will, you will see how alive the scriptures are. So 1 Peter chapter 1, this is Peter, says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Let's get on to all the stuff I shouldn't do. I actually sat through a five-week sermon series on just that one sentence. Peter, an apostle of Christ. Do you know what it means, post-cross, for Peter, who betrayed Jesus, to say, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ? Just that, just the fact, Peter is for the first time claiming, I'm an apostle of Jesus. What did it mean for him to say that? Mind-blowing. Just reflect on it. Man, Jesus so, uh, Peter so blew it. And now here he is. He's boldly proclaiming himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who reside as aliens scattered throughout. Holy cow, I have such a comfortable life. I'm not scared. I'm not running for my faith. I'm not being persecuted for my faith. I'm not scattered. Anyways, I won't give you a whole message on this, but basically, 
if you lock yourself into the scripture and you just ask God, I'm going to just dwell on the words. I'm going to be available. Let me just like think about it. Let me slow down and receive it. Which is the next, which is number three. It's read until you receive. If you want to know how much to read, read until you receive. Is that a word? Is that a sentence? Is that a paragraph? Is that a chapter? What is that? I don't know. Read until you receive. If all your only focus in reading the Bible is like, I'm just going to read until I have a connection with God. The length doesn't matter. The connection is what matters. I'm not out to read or to win a reading award. I have no reading plan in my current life. I don't have a commitment. I don't have a minimum requirement. I read until I'm inspired. I read until I receive. Usually I can hardly get past a single sentence. That's the current state of my life. I'm so slow through the scriptures now. Like, I can't even think about reading an entire chapter anymore. It's like, that would be so much work. Because I have to write all these other things down now. I made the mistake about four days ago. I saw something, and it's like, I have to remember that. I was like, I'll remember it. And I have not been able to remember it. I'm so angry with myself. Because I took it for granted. It's like, this was such a powerful inspiration. I was like, that's so amazing. There's no way I can forget that. And I forgot it. I'm actually trolling through my, I've found my internet cache on my browser, all my old temporary internet files. I'm like browsing through all of them to try and like find what it was I saw. It's maddening. All right. Number four, the do's, is to do, record, memorize, and synthesize. I told you that I have three documents that are open, a list of verses, a list of memory verses that I want to commit to memory, and then spiritual truths. I've also added to that where I have a working like sermon doc, like different ideas I like maybe someday want to preach on. I think it's like 30,000 words now. I'm not going to preach that. It's millions of messages that have like ideas, but you come across something. You come across something like, this is an interesting thought. I would like to, to investigate this more. It can be any topic. It can be anything, but like write something down, something that sparks your interest. You may never know if you're going to be preaching. I didn't think I'd ever preach. I was like, ministries for professionals. And here I am. Why? It's just because I simply made myself available to hear and to know the word. Remember how the very first thing was to not wait for crisis to get you in the Bible? When you get into the Word and you're regular in the Word, it switches. Rather than hunting for verses to try and make you feel better and to appease your stress or your anxiety or, or whatever it is, you now get to receive verses that can help you avoid the mistakes in the first place. The greatest asset I have to my life right now is not that I have all these different Bible verses, but like I enjoy what the Word gives me. But now, actually, when I face life, I feel prepared rather than on my heels. I don't have to react. I feel like I'm acting. I, I now have the wisdom. I have the force. I have the things in my mind that tell me I should avoid this. I know I should avoid this. So rather than trying to help me get out of the mess I feel like so much of my life is being um, altered in helping me avoid the mess, which is way better. And last is this, is to read what is most enjoyable. We get caught up because we want to read 
big chapters we want to have, like, I read through the Bible in four days. There's something to be said about being interested in something in the Scriptures. And I go through this in different times and different places and different um, periods for me. Some people really like the Old Testament. They like, you know, Judges. And I really love that. Some people, like, love Proverbs. And they love the wisdom that comes from it. Some people love the, you know, Revelation, all the crazy stuff that happens. Other people, like Sean Lawrence, he's, like, the greatest theologian when it comes to Ephesians that there has ever been. Like, it is great to adopt a topic, a category, an area, anything in the Scriptures. Be interested in something of the scriptures. Pick anything. I've gone to different things where one was women in ministry. I was like, really interesting. Like, that's really interesting. One, another one was about healings and why healings don't happen to all people. Why is that? I did a long study on that. Then I've been really interested in the will of God. What is the will of God? How do I know I'm in the will of God? Can I do anything against the will of God? This is God's sovereignty. And it's like I go through these different seasons. Like, I'm just curious about these things. And so it'll derail my reading for a little bit. I'm not like doing this reading plan, but I'm interested. I'm curious. So there's a topic, whether you pick, you know, purity, money, greed, you can pick whatever topic you want. Any subject, be interested in something. And if you, when you find it, Give yourself permission to seek the scriptures in that way. You're not deficient. You don't have to be ashamed, like I'm really interested in, like people who are, are great stewards of money, like study all the passages on money. My mentor, he knew, he had memorized every single Bible verse about money. It's pretty interesting. He's like, I can tell them all to you, right? And like, we just list them out. You're like, it's crazy. Because then I can go to him like, so what does it say about this? And he should tell you. It's amazing. And so to have the wisdom and the knowledge that are revealed from the scriptures, from your interest, will give you so much life. Anyways, that was a little bit more that I wanted to share with you guys now. But those are my do's and don'ts for reading the word. Does anybody have a question before I turn it over? I know I covered a lot of ground that um, anybody who wants to ask something pertaining to getting them in the scriptures or something that they'd like to know about my routine or have it. All good. Awesome. I love. Oh. I will give. I, I'll, I'll post when this podcast reaches. I'll post all these um, as downloads for people if you want. Um, so, yeah, you can have that. Uh, I, can, I can give anybody, whoever, you know, what, what they want. So, um, not my pen. Not my pen. Um, a great resource, too, is blb.org, blueletterbible.org, blb.org. And you can look up any passage, and you can find the Greek, and you can find the translation, um, and you can find the, the meaning of that word, and you can find every other place that word is found. That's how I found out that the word sovereignty and the word sovereign isn't in the Bible, which is pretty interesting. That's how I found out that the word control, anytime the word control is used in the Bible, it's always self-control, not God controlling you. Interesting things like that. So blb.org. So um, anyways, I love you guys. Thank you for letting me share with you my practices.